Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. I'm Allie Wolf, a TV news reporter taking on my biggest assignment yet motherhood. Get ready to feel inspired and connected as we explore the journey into mom life. This is the Mom's Calling Podcast. I feel like women have such an amazing gut intuition. We seem to think that that's separate from our money, but it's really not. And so it's really important that we understand how our money is being invested. Where is it coming from? Where is it going to? This doesn't mean that you have to become an accountant or figure out how to do QuickBooks. $233,000. That is the U.S. government's rough average for the cost to raise a child from birth to age 17. And that doesn't include education. I don't mean to kick off this episode on a depressing note, but I just want to emphasize something we all already know. Having kids is an expensive endeavor. Despite this, money is still a topic we tend to shy away from, especially as moms. Talking about money can be uncomfortable for some. Saving and financial planning can be boring or downright stressful. But this episode aims to flip the way we think about it, and it's thanks to my guest, Victoria Sexton. She is a mom and financial coach as the founder of Align Wealth Coaching. Victoria is not only knowledgeable and experienced in the financial field, she also has an incredible and inspiring way of thinking about money. It's a way that's approachable, fun, and straightforward. She explains certain games you can play to achieve your financial goals or financial freedom, plus how to find balance, to know your worth, and to set boundaries. We also discuss affirmations, money mantras, and how she started her own business and broke away from corporate America. Enjoy. Hi, Victoria. Welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you on today. Oh my gosh. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. And we're going to get into a lot of things related to finance. And I think this is such an important topic because it's often not talked about and people feel very uncomfortable talking about money. And I think a lot of women do. So I'm excited to hear what you have to say about that. For somebody who maybe is not a big planner or budgeter. I'm wondering if you have any small steps that can help people get started in being better with money and being better um, so they're more financially stable for when the kids get older and the expenses just keep increasing. I think money is scary for a lot of people, but they don't talk about it. And so I think the more you can just make peace with your money and you can put systems into place that help you so that you're not stressed out all the time about money. Your kids are going to peck up that you're not stressed out about money. It's going to be less of a big deal, but figure out tools that work for you so that you don't have to worry about, did I pay that bill? Did I not pay that bill? For some people, that's going to be a simple spreadsheet. That's what I use is just a simple spreadsheet. For some people, they want the QuickBooks experience or whatever it is, but find whatever is going to work for you so that you're not stressed out about money. You know what's been paid. You know where you stand. Victoria has an 11-year-old son and an 18-year-old stepson. Before branching off on her own as a financial coach during the pandemic, Victoria spent years in what she calls nerdy jobs in finance. In the early days of motherhood, it was tough for her to strike a balance between the demands of work and parenting. It was really difficult for me to be someone who likes to work and literally like handing my baby to somebody. Like, this is my baby, right? Yeah. And I'm going to hand them over to somebody. And then I'm going to trust that everything's going to be fine. And then I'm going to go off and do my job. And I remember the first day I left my son at childcare 
um, after I went back to work, I took maternity for six months and I cried the entire way to work. Like, <laughs> just be honest with you. I was like, how am I going to do this? Yeah. How am I going to do this? It. I found emotionally, it was very challenging. I think a little seed was planted in my head. I'm like, eventually I have to work for myself if I want more flexibility, if I want to do things on my own terms, because working in corporate America, they have their parameters and you have to you know, be inside the box in terms of their parameters. Yeah, I think it's really tough. I mean, I worked in a very rigid uh, work environment, but I didn't end up going back. And so I think it's, it's so heart-wrenching no matter what you choose to do. I mean, I felt this, you know, fear of missing out that I wasn't going back to work. And then that was a strain. So I just think it's that mom guilt. So, and I also think it's so interesting how that's where you said the seed was planted that you wanted to ultimately do something on your own. And I think a lot of people feel that and really this past year and a half has allowed a lot of mothers to do that partially because of having to homeschool, but also, you know, it, it led to opportunities to maybe innovate. So that was the case for you too, right? You finally got a chance to um, let go of the corporate world. Right. Well, it just became clear to me that I couldn't be the type of mom I wanted to be. I couldn't be the type of um, person I wanted to be and still be within their box. And yeah, my husband was um, not so happy when I told him I was going to quit my job. He's like, we're in a pandemic. I'm like, yeah, I'm going to quit my job. <laughs> so, but, you know, I believe if you follow your gut, you can never go wrong. So that's what I, exactly what I did. Well, I think it's it's probably easy to laugh about it now, but I think those decisions are so hard. So I'm wondering what gave you the push and what was that gut instinct? Because I've talked to a lot of moms recently um, in doing the podcast and just in becoming a mom. And a lot of them have these ideas of what they want to do, but it's like you need that nudge. So I'm wondering what it was for you that really pushed you that you felt sure this was the right move at the right time. I felt like everything was going to be okay. And that I couldn't continue to work on somebody else's terms. And I feel like it's one of the most horrible feelings to be in a job where you feel like you could do a better job if you weren't in that environment. March happened, right? And women started calling me on the phone and as an investment advisor, like I invest their money, right? They weren't calling me to invest. They were saying, can I talk Can We schedule an hour so I can decide if I'm going to sell my vacation home. What should I do about this career? I've been thinking about getting divorced and maybe now I shouldn't. I mean, like all of these oh. really deep questions about money. And it was just a sign to me that like it was my time to do something different. I felt like I could serve the women in my community on a deeper level, if I could offer them different products. So you just took that leap of faith. I think that's really inspiring because women can do that in a lot of different fields, whether it's finance or you can go into being a consultant. And so that is a liberating thought. And I think it's great that you're able to do that. I'm curious though, what would you say are some of the biggest money mistakes that people make or maybe habits um, that people can learn from, especially moms? The first thing that comes to mind is there's really, I call it the two sides of money. There's your income or, you know, if you're in a business, that's your revenue piece and there's your expenses. And that's really 
the equation, right? Your income minus your expenses equals your net income. Not to get too nerdy on you, but no, no, you can um, get nerdy. We like, okay, I like that. Okay, yeah. I'll totally get nerdy. <laughs> um, but one thing I've found is we somehow get defined by whatever the salary that we are receiving is. Mm-hmm. And being someone who's hired people in the corporate world before, I can tell you how it works sometimes is, okay, we need to hire somebody. How much should we pay them? Meh, 65,000. Okay, that number doesn't define you. And there's nothing wrong with wanting or needing more income. And there's that equation income minus expenses. And so sometimes it's on the expense side that we need to do some work. Sometimes it's on the income side. And sometimes generating income is way easier easier than we think it's going to be. I've talked with so many women who have special, amazing things that they do. They're moms. They work two hours a day. They make, I don't know, sparkly mugs or t-shirts or their copywriter or whatever. And they're able to leverage their skills and do that part-time while making really solid money. So there's always a way to bring in money, but where I think that we as a society fall short is there's this notion that we have to go into an office. Mm -hmm. And I think that's starting to dissolve a little bit, Mm -hmm. but for those of us that like want and need more flexibility in our lives, because we have children and we want a certain type of life, you can still have a good income as well. It's just, we need to get a little creative. So essentially, you know, maybe you're at a day job and, and you're making, like you said, 65,000, but you have this really cool talent say that's me and I, and I make the cool sparkly mugs. Would you say just do that on the side or, you know, what's the best way to go about that? Social media is amazing, right? So just dip a toe in the water, like make five mugs and put them up on your preferred social media platform and say, Hey, look what I'm doing now and see what people say. And I'll give you a great example. I had like, again, this gut feeling recently to put together money affirmation cards, which is Mm -hmm. totally random, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, I don't know where I got this thought, but I did it. And then I just posted a picture on Facebook thinking that people would be like, oh, those are pretty or whatever. And I ended up getting a lot of orders for them through that one post. And you can use your social media as a test market. You can be like, hey, I did this thing. What do you think? If it's crickets, maybe not. Or maybe they're just not your people. But with so many alternatives to like Etsy and other alternatives where there's a low barrier to entry, you know, your Etsy fee is like, I don't know, less than a buck a a listing. It may be worth like making a handful and then seeing if they sell. And if they don't like, you're amazing. And you have a hundred other ideas. See what is going to work for you. Yeah. I think that there's such a low barrier to entry with the internet. So that's amazing. You don't have to go and put a stand up at your local farmer's market. You can do it online. So that's amazing. Another thing that you said was the expense part of it. So working on the income part is super important, but do you also see people just getting their expenses out of control? Because clearly a lot of people want a certain lifestyle and maybe they start creeping up their expenses um, too much. Is that something that you also see? Yeah. I mean, like Americans are famous for the keeping (laughs) up with the Joneses stuff, right? Yeah. Um, How do you undo those habits is my question. You just have to decide that the life that you want 
is more important than the thing you're going to buy that day. We as Americans are addicted to stuff and we have so much stuff. And I, I shop a lot. I can't, (laughs) like, I'm not judging anybody. Right. Yeah. But what I will say is when we decide that an experience or having financial security is more important than the stuff, that's when things shift a little. And I will admit to you, I love spending money way more than I love saving it. Mm -hmm. So I have to make it like a game for me. I have to make it interesting. Saving money for a lot of people is a drag and it can seem like such a slog if you're saving small amounts. So you have to find a way that it is not such a bummer. Open up a separate savings account so you can't um, access that money. Do a $50 direct deposit, like whatever it is to start. But it's up to us. We have to create better habits that our future selves will thank us for. Just backing up. So how do you make oh, it a yeah. game? You can share how, if you want to share how you do it, because I think personally, I'm very motivated by a game. I'm competitive. I want to win. So yeah. what's, can you give us an example of that? Sure. For a while, I used a website called Smarty Pig and I'm not an affiliate or anything like that. But okay. the thing that I liked about it was you can open an account and I can't remember if it was like through Chase or whatever. You open an account and then you put a goal on there, um, like, name your goal and then put the target dollar amount. And then you could go back and look at your dashboard and see how far along you are towards your goals. And to me, I was going to be like, I'm going to win and get to hundred percent by this date. Right. And you could do this with a regular savings account too. I would put on there like airline tickets for our Hawaii trip or like whatever it was that I knew was coming up in like six months. And I would just, if I had extra 50 bucks, I would plunk it in there, make it fun. Like whatever's going to be fun for you, whether it's a vacation or new furniture for your house or whatever it is, you know, figure out how much that's going to be and then make it fun for you. I like that idea. I think that could totally work. I think it could work too. If you just put it up on your wall too, and just a whiteboard, whatever. So also that you brought up another good point that I like is, you know, do you recommend setting financial goals. Like I want to go to Hawaii in, you know, June, or I want to buy a house in two years and then maybe breaking it down to smaller micro goals, or how do you go about, um, achieving those financial goals or creating those rewards for your savings? Yeah, totally. I mean, the thing that's really interesting to me is I think people think that financial goals are just like, I'm going to save $10,000. And that's not really how I think it should be. I think that your goals should be whatever you want them to be. If you want to spend a month in Australia, if you want to go to Hawaii with your kids, if you want to go on a Disney cruise, whatever it is, that is going to be something that you are super fun and like it's going to be juicy, fun experience that you are going to enjoy. That should be a goal. And Mm -hmm. you should be taking baby steps towards your goals because I mean, life is short. I, I don't know why (laughs) when people talk about financial planning, a lot of times they don't factor in these super fun things. A lot of times it's just like hitting the number. And I'm not all about that because life is not straightforward. Sometimes it's complex and, you know, you should eat the cake, buy the shoes, Mm -hmm. do whatever is going to make you feel good and happy. But at the same time, 
you can have big financial goals like taking a big trip, like um, paying off your house early, like whatever it is and get there. But yeah, you have to take steps to get there. So I feel like there's a disconnect between what we do daily and then big goals. And Mm -hmm. we have to bridge that gap Mm because habits are super important. Yeah, no, I love thinking about it this way because I'm not the numbers person and especially not in my family. And then people think finance, they think Roth IRA, 401k. And then like you're saying, it's not necessarily about that. It's just about putting enough away and slowly that pile grows and you got to have a reward. Like who isn't inspired by a reward? And I also love what you said that it's possible to define the life you want and then go create it. So it's more about having that vision for your life overall. And then money is what kind of sets you free. And so you obviously need to have the freedom to, to live the life you want, right? Absolutely. Well, that also kind of touches on mindset. And I know you have some really good stuff on your website about mindset and having the abundance mindset. And I think a lot of us do limit ourselves by saying, I can't do that. I don't have the money or I'll never afford that. So what are your tips about kind of switching the mindset to feeling like you can have the life you want, that these things are possible? Because I, I really think that we get in our own way sometimes, right? Yeah, absolutely. We say things to ourselves all the time. If you're like me, you have it like running dialogue in your head of things. Like maybe it's like, oh, I forgot to go to the grocery store or like, you know, whatever it is. So we say say things to ourselves all the time about money. If you pay attention for a week, I bet you would find that the things that you say to yourself about money are not very nice. (laughs) Right. I mean, like I catch myself all the time and be like, oh my God, I'm so stupid. How could I forget to pay the bill? Like, or whatever. I would pay attention to what you're saying to yourself. And maybe that means like carrying around a notebook and writing it down for a couple of days. What do you say to yourself about your money? And is it positive? If it's not positive, I would come up with a mantra or, or two or three that you can say to yourself instead. Instead of saying, oh my gosh, I'm so stupid for not paying the bill, maybe it's something like, um, I made a mistake. I'm human. I'm still working on my goals. You know, something that you could say to yourself instead. Okay. So have a good money mantra. And I know you you had the affirmation card. So what I wonder if you could share what those say and what are some other good money mantras? <laughs> oh, I mean, they get really fun. Um, yeah. Some of them are like, I'm a financial rock star. Um, my money loves me. I'm a money magnet. Like you can get as fun as you want with affirmations. And I, my last stint in corporate America, I had a really not a good relationship with my boss. I'll just say that. And so it was, it was, um, not a really good working environment for me. And I kept affirmations on my phone and every hour an affirmation would show up on my phone that would be like, you're amazing this is, it's going to be great. You're going to find something else. Like I, and I would do that because all day, like I was in this like, wah, wah, like mm-hmm. kind of, you know, downer environment. And I felt like I needed to do something to combat that. You can do the same thing in relation to your money as you're working on your money goals. And maybe your big financial goal is like a vacation, you know, getting out of the house or mm-hmm 
putting a pool in your backyard. You could be like, I'm ready for my ties by the pool, you know, just coming up with, with whatever will tie back to your goals that will also inspire you. I love it. And you can totally go wild with that. Like nobody has to see it. It's just you and your mantra, whatever you really (laughs) secretly want, let it out. I like that. That's a good way to kind of put it out into the universe. The other thing, you know, you mentioned the workplace a lot, and I think a lot of people can relate to this. And I found not to be very gender specific, but I found a lot of women do not talk about salary and benefits. And, you know, a lot of men are a little more open in my experience. And this is very, I'm generalizing here. So I'm wondering, you know, for moms and for women, do you have any tips for us to get more comfortable in, you know, vocalizing it so we don't get underpaid, so we know our value, so we can speak up because I just want to, I want everyone to like me. I don't want to put my foot down and demand money. So how do you go about that if you're not naturally that outspoken about money? Well, I think you just said something that like I, I want to comment on first, which was, I want people to like me. I don't want to demand more money. Yeah. Well, I want you to like you and I want you to demand more money. <laughs> like That's yeah. what I want for you, yeah, right? Why do I immediately tie the two together, right? Right. I mean, who cares what your boss, Joe Schmo thinks of you, right? Mm-hmm. Like we want more money because we need a new minivan or whatever it is, right? And there doesn't even need to be a reason that you want more money. Maybe that's going to help you feel more financially secure. So I think it's really interesting that men talk about money in a different way than women. And I could totally go down the rabbit hole about why I think this is the way it is. I feel like men are conditioned to, they just go out and make money and we're Mm -hmm. just going to get a job. And then with women, we apply to a job and then we're like, but I don't meet all of the 99 pieces of criteria on here. Like we get caught up in all of that and more like a, are we worthy of this Mm -hmm. type of a situation? We just need to shut that down as women. And we need to normalize talking about money because if we don't make it normal for us, it will never be normal. Like it won't be normal for, for our kids. Like our daughters won't talk about money. And we just have to find the courage to like amongst our friends, amongst the people that we love most, just start to put that into conversations. And then that's when it will become more normal for women in terms of society in general. So just start, just start talking. Maybe, maybe it's easier to start amongst your coworkers that you feel close with. And then, you know, before you get to your boss and have to go up and say, Hey, I need a raise. But also I think that with that, talking to your coworkers will help because then you know, oh my gosh, I'm getting underpaid and I didn't even know it because I never talked about it. Um, I think that's also part of it too. And something that, you know, I've seen in the workplace as well. Mm, Yeah. I mean, it's such a weird topic because the dynamic is really strange and depending upon what type of environment you work in, you can look up the salary range for your job. That doesn't mean that the person gets paid that. Mm-hmm. So I think that, yeah, making a little bit more normal to have conversations about money, especially with your boss and not just at raise time when they're like, you get a 1.2% raise because we had a really hard year, right? Or whatever their spiel is, right? Yeah. Um, it's. I feel like if you haven't talked about money with anybody and you're coming in, you know, you're just going to come in cold and be like, Hey boss, I need a 5% raise. I think it's going to be more awkward for us. And the more awkward it is for us, 
the more awkward a conversation it's going to be in general and the less likely it's going to happen. Okay. So maybe making those little steps to be a little bolder, a little bolder and more comfortable talking about it. And with that, talking more about knowing your value. I saw on your website, you talked about don't work for free and people Mm -hmm. who want to pick your brain. And I relate to this because I've a lot of people do, you know, if you have a bit of experience in something, a lot of people want your time. And so I'm wondering, you know, if you could talk a little bit about that and a little bit about boundaries and because time is money too, right? Absolutely. So I've had to do this and and my clients have had to do this. So many people I know have had to do this. So every day we are telling people how to treat us essentially by setting boundaries or not. What's interesting is that I found that even though people are well-intentioned and they're like, oh my gosh, Sally over here knows all of this information about ABC, I should go ask her because yes, she is the expert, but they don't think, hey, people pay Sally to do this or hey, Mm -hmm. that was an hour of Sally's time. Mm -hmm. And you have to remind them and you can do that in a nice, like friendly manner and still get your point across. So one of the things I put together for some clients of mine, and it's on my Instagram, if if people want to grab it, it's ways that you can say, I don't work for free without having an awkward conversation. So like some of the ways are, um, if someone wants you to do something, you could say, I just want to confirm that this is a, you know, this is a paid gig. I just want to confirm that this opportunity is paid. Mm-hmm. Or you could say, you know, if they say something about, oh, well, maybe you could donate your time. I say my quarterly quotient, quotient for pro bono work has already been fulfilled, but mm-hmm. thank you so much for thinking of me. And that is another way to set a boundary. I like, I'm all for being generous with your community, but at some point mm-hmm. in time, it's a really big drain on your energy. So knowing personally how much is too much is something that I have had to work on. And because like, yeah, I want to help everybody, but at the same point in time, it's like, I can't help anybody if, if my energy is totally drained and I'm just exhausted. I feel that too. As, as moms, I think too, we want to take care of everyone and help everyone. But then if you're just responding, 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 when are you going to, you know, refill your cup? And so I love those tips and I love, I need to really write them down and go check out that Instagram (laughs) post. In fact, I'll share it. And so I'm wondering if there's a lesson that you would love moms to know about money and how to value themselves in the workplace or just as, as people in having boundaries? I mean, what would it be that you've seen throughout your experience as a mom and in the workplace? So I'm going to say this and some people may be like, Oh, that woman, I hear a lot. My husband has it covered. My husband has it covered, but I'm going to give you some statistics. On average, women live five years longer than men. This means at some point in time, there's a good chance that your husband is going to leave this earth before you and you're going to have to figure out your money. If there's one gift that you could give to yourself, it's get more involved in your own current financial situation, just so you know, because I feel like women have such an amazing gut intuition We seem to think that that's separate from our money, but it's really not. And so it's really important that we understand 
how our money is being invested. Where is it coming from? Where is it going to? This doesn't mean that you have to become an accountant or figure out how to do QuickBooks, but it does mean that you're invested in your money. And so if there's one thing that women are going to do to improve their their lives, I would say to have a better understanding of their financial situation and to start to get more involved and speak up. When I was an advisor, I had women come into me all the time and they would say, I just knew that this wasn't the right investment for me, but my advisor knows so much more than me. Mm. And it's that gut feeling that we shouldn't ignore. So that's that's my one thing that I would love for women to take away. I think that's great. I mean, I don't think people are going to hate you for saying that. I think that is incredible. And I'm like taking mental note right now. How can we start? Like, how can I start if I let my husband take care of the finances or maybe I, you rely on maybe a financial planner? How can somebody take that first step to have more of an understanding or an ownership of their financial situation? So if you're in the situation where your husband does everything, you need to have an awkward conversation and just be like, I want to get more involved. And Tell them that you appreciate them because they've been doing the finances, but you want to get more involved and how can you help? And I would come at it from that standpoint, not from the standpoint of what have you been doing, right? Right. But just tell them that like you want to get more involved. Mm-hmm. Um, then, And the next thing that you can do is make sure that you're checking your accounts on a weekly basis. I mean, you don't have to check your IRA on a weekly basis. It's still going to be, they're growing, right? Mm-hmm. But know that you have access to your checking, your savings, all of your accounts and see what's happening in those accounts. Make sure you like have an understanding of the money that's going in and the money that's coming out. And that those are just some simple things that you can do to start. Okay. I think that's, I think that's a great tip that people can do. I want to ask you a couple of little fun questions at the end here. What's the worst uh, financial advice that you have heard? I heard one guy tell somebody that the market has hit its peak. So we need to cash out now. And I'm like, mm-hmm, no. <laughs> so yeah, no, the stock market, like there's not a magical number that's like the top. So that was one of the worst things that I've heard. Okay. And then what is your favorite money indulgence? Where, what do you like to do if you're going to just spend some garbage money on something that's a little treat? Oh, there's so many things. <laughs> so many things. Like I do love a mani-pedi. I do. Yeah. I normally do that at home. I call it the sexton spa. <laughs> and I normally do that at home, but like I'll get a manicure or pedicure or I'll get a massage. Any spa treatment is wonderful. Yeah. And it's an experience too. I feel like they always say spending money on experiences, it brings more happiness. So I like that one. So I want to just end here and allow people to hear about what you can offer them and how people can get in touch with you. So people can get in touch with me by going to victoriasexton.com. I have on there, um, a free gift. It's my six ways to simplify your money. And it's a really quick ebook that gives you some great tips. Um, You can reach me on social media at Victoria Financial Coach everywhere on Victoria Financial Coach. And um, yeah, anyone can always message me if they have any money questions or concerns. I'm happy to help. 
Okay. Thank you so much for coming on. This was super, super helpful. And I learned some really great tips too. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions, concerns, or suggestions, I want to hear from you. Send me an email to momscallingpod at gmail.com. If you like the show, be sure to rate and review this podcast. See you next week for another episode of Mom's Calling on the Believe Network. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.